rolling. Extra, extra. This just in. Welcome, Welcome to Uncover Girl. Girl, the podcast that unpacks the most memorable celebrity profiles of all time. We're your hosts, Ivana Ryder and Beatrice Hazelhurst, ready to unravel and review every culture-defining A-list interview with the help of writers, industry experts, and even the talent themselves. Journalism might be dying, but you better believe the celebrity profile lives on. This episode is dedicated to the most followed person on Instagram in 2017, Selena Gomez. Our Disney angel is going through it. Lupus. Back-to-back relationships with Canadian pop stars. Maybe you've already read it, but you heard it here first. Ivana. Hi Beatrice. How's it all going? How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I've been reviewing a lot of bridesmaid hairstyles. Can really go one of two ways with that. But I love, I love to, you know, I love to see what's out there, what the girlies are doing, what's trending in the bridal space. I'm very far away from that lifestyle myself. You are not. You're engaged. No, actually I I am in that space um, because I'm being served up (laughs) bridal content on TikTok. And a lot oh, of it is... Algorithmically, you must be flooded right now. I am flooded. All of them begin with a ter- the most terrifying woman you've ever seen brandishing her hand to the camera and saying, I'm a 2023 bride and this is what I am doing for my... Like, it's like the one, like the musicality of their voice is so scary. It's like a horror story. It, it sounds like the same way that a true crime mm-hmm. thing would be unveiled, which is like... And then when... This little girl showed up to school. She was slaughtered. And they're telling their little bridal choices. Yes. In the same terrifying tone. I also didn't realize that. I I mean, this is so foolish of me. I didn't realize it was so trend-based. Yeah. You know, I thought everyone did everything based on their personal taste. Engagement rings... I the ubiquity among them is has been blowing my mind. There's this one very pervasive shape, which is like a floating oval on like a, a thin platinum band. Yeah. And it's like a big stone, but everyone has it. Yeah. And I I just I mean I, I I've seen it, I've seen it on friends and thought like, oh beautiful, like love that. But it's it's a literal trend. And I think it's like such a pervasive trend because everyone thinks that they're the first to think of it. Yes. But really what's happening is that they've seen it a million times. Which is true of everything. Of course. I mean, I'm wearing literally a, a football shirt right now for the same reason. Yeah. A soccer shirt. It's because I've seen it and it's subconsciously osmosis into my conscious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And with bridal stuff, I just feel like the stakes are so high because you choose these things because they're popular in 2022 and then you have to live with them forever. Mm. And so I, the way that I'm trying to think about a wedding is just that I'm the first one to ever have it and the last one to ever have it. And like, what would I do? Yeah. I think that's another thing that really triggers brides, hearing that other people are having weddings. Yes. Yeah, very triggering. Very I'm, triggering. <laughs> I'm a bridesmaid at a wedding, but it just so happened we were invited to a wedding the week before. This is at home in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And it was just pure coincidence, crazy. The first wedding I'm going with as like a plus one, the second wedding I'm in the wedding party. But I think the bride was just kind of like, damn, and like another person would dare to get married the same month, like, and, yeah. and for you to go, like, how crazy, which I actually completely understand. I feel the same around, like, my birthday. I'm like, another person was born? Yeah. <laughs> how dare they? I know. I, I went to back-to-back weddings this year, one in Chicago, 
on Saturday and then one in LA on Sunday. And the first thing that the bride said to me at the Sunday wedding was, how was the wedding yesterday? Yes. And I was like, you are, it's like something is wrong in the brain that makes us all feel this way. I said, it was heinous, which it wasn't. If you're listening, it wasn't No, no, no. I just said like, oh, doesn't, couldn't possibly compare. compare. Because what am I going to say? It was actually doubly fabulous like i think the best thing you can do for a recently engaged couple or people in the throes of wedding planning is to bitch about weddings you've already been to yes it brings them it's a the kindness. most joy it's yeah. a kindness it, and you feel bad in the moment but it it's giving them so much pleasure it's kind of like a blowjob like yeah you, it sucks for you kind of but the payoff is watching them smile smile <laughs> i kind of like them <laughs> Jobs. I do. Uh, yeah. I like them. There's some. I just. I can really get to. I can really go to town. Yeah, and I think you can dissociate really well. Like you can just like <laughs> think about, really check in with yourself. How, how am I feeling? <laughs> What's going on with me this week? Yes, it's meditative almost. Yeah, it is meditative. It's like cleaning. It is like cleaning. Yeah. No. 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 I see it. <laughs> Which actually brings me to what is inspiring me this week which i think is also inspiring you yeah we have a joint inspiration this week first time ever we went to the most la event of our lives which was not a glitzy glamour a-list situation but it was a salon which has been around for centuries it's like a gathering of Mm -hmm. societal elites who have the time to think about things yeah huge in the 1920s in like france gertrude stein used to attend them and like they were epic we both were invited to attend a salon with a bunch of other creatives and we talked about all the things fame fame contentedness what it means to be extraordinary versus kind of good enough that was the whole basis of the of the conversation but there were some ideas that I really that I've really held on to one in particular was from this guy pretty unexpected he was kind of like a straight bro energy I was getting fifth grade class clown, like sweetness oh. coming off of him. But I was very surprised. I loved his contributions. I absolutely adored it. He would just go on these dates and reflect and compare the women, you know, like, yeah, like she was a she was a 10 here, but like a seven here. But he was telling his kind of, I guess, military bro friend about it. And his friend replied like, bro, like I think about things in a binary, it's zero or one. Would you date them or would you not? And he was like, it completely changed my approach to dating. Mm -hmm. The idea of putting things in such distinct black and white, just zero or one, would you or wouldn't you, does this bring you joy or doesn't it? Yeah, that was just a great little takeaway from this salon. There were so many sweet takeaways. I feel like the one that really struck me was a woman spoke about how she had spent five years working on a novel that never sold. Mm. And what followed was that she's like, and I'm going to write another one and it's going to be great. And I was very inspired by that because putting five years of work into anything is such an enormous feat already. And to feel hope on the other end of what society would deem like rejection pretty exclusively is so incredible. I need to bring that energy into my life so much more of just that this was worth it and it was good. And yeah. And accepting something as nourishment Instead of looking at it from how does this benefit me either financially? Yeah, that that was that was also really powerful because fuck that takes some bravery and persistence to retackle something like that. Yeah. After such after what must feel like such an epic 
failure. I just can't fathom. I mean, from the standpoint of never having written a novel yet. The only thing I can relate to with that is this massive story that I worked on, which was like an investigative piece, a murder mystery set on the North Shore of Long Island. It was originally sold to the New York Times, dropped, then sold to Vanity Fair, dropped for being too litigious. But I I pitched it around town. It was just getting rejection after rejection and just got to this point where I thought I'm... This is it's done. fine. It was for nothing. It's for nothing. But I mean, I learned a lot journalistically. Like I'm just fine to let it go. And I remember like putting it on my goals to do list for 2022 of like, I'm going to sell the story. And I sold it in the first month. And yeah. it's such a good story. Oh, stay tuned. Everyone. Oh, I just found out it's officially coming out in May. In May. Yeah. It's the May <gasps> issue. So I, we finally got an issue locked for it. Do you know it's who the cover out. Is? I don't. I should Okay, ask. that would be tasty to know. Well, so, sure. also so that I could put it on a cake. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's L May 2023 issue. It's finally coming out. But that was definitely, is anything ever going to come of this? And letting down the people involved in the story and having to navigate that and feeling like a failure. Uh, it's it's just a really difficult thing to confront. And this was, what, a five, 6,000 word article. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a 100,000 word yeah. book. Yeah. <sighs> I know. And speaking of starting over, enduring. I mean, this woman is the poster child of endurance. Of current celebrities, I think definitely. Kind of opened the door for admission of failure. That Mm -hmm. wasn't really allowed prior to her celebritydom. I also feel like she's one of the only celebrities that has publicly gone through medical trauma and really serious medical issues where it wasn't clear what was going to happen absolutely with her kidney transplant if someone had asked me before doing this research i would have said yeah i'm totally ambivalent i feel no type of way but i realized how how much of my life and my adolescence has intersected with her own i saw her revival tour which i completely forgot about and plays a huge part in this profile then i saw her infamous performance at the amas in 2019 which was her kind of comeback tour but before we get into all of that let me please introduce you to selena gomez on the cover of vogue the title of the profile is selena gomez on instagram fatigue good mental health and stepping back from the limelight and this was published in 2017 actually she's one of the earliest people to appear in the 72 questions videos really pegged to this cover um but it's written by rob haskell and if you haven't heard of him i mean you've definitely seen him he's at the very top of the vogue rolodex Uh, And overwhelmingly profiles young women, which is really interesting because I don't know who he is. I'm assuming he's a straight guy. But I mean, if you go on his Instagram, he has, you know, 700 followers. All his photos, like uploads to Instagram are just Vogue covers that he's written. And I'm talking Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, Naomi Osaka, Cardi B. I mean, in 2022 alone, he did three of Vogue's covers, all women, Bella Hadid, Serena Williams, and J-Lo. His Instagram kind of gives new meaning to using the platform as a professional portfolio because it truly is only his features and there's nothing specific to his life whatsoever. No, his, I mean, his byline is so, so impressive. He gets like, they're all the biggest profiles, it feels like, go to him. And he's definitely good at them. He had that profile with Justin and Hailey Bieber. 
the nature of Vogue as a legacy title, I think despite its its kind of famously low-paying freelancer rate, is it gets insane yesteryear type access to talent, like really insane access. And over the course of this profile, Rob is going to several different locations with Selena. He's really getting one-on-one time with her. And it really just, it really just shows Vogue still got it, baby. Like they are top tier. They really do get some of the best writers because they can. I know. I mean, Joan Didion used to write for Vogue. Wait, I didn't know that. Yes, she oh. did. What? Yeah, she freelanced. Actually, no, I, I think it was more than freelance. I think she really did work. She was in-house, like on staff? Let me confirm. Oh my god! And then, no, she was an assistant features editor. Get out. Yes, isn't that the sweetest? What an incredible transition. I, I mean, our North Star for sure, I guiding know. us out of the media industry. Joan. But the context of Rob at the time, I mean, it was so interesting because this was an era where older men profiling younger women was absolutely rampant. I want to really make the point that this was maybe six months pre-Me Too. And it was quite a sociopolitically fraught time. I mean, to kind of contextualize it, the word woke was added to the Oxford English Dictionary this year and was defined as being aware or well-informed in the political or cultural sense. But it was also almost reactive to Donald Trump being inaugurated as the 45th president. Bill Cosby's indecent assault case ended in a mistrial this year. This was also the year of Kendall Jenner's Pepsi commercial. Oh, yeah. What a debut. That taught us all how to make a change. Oh, the only social activist we need. (laughs) This was also the Moonlight La La Land best picture snafu. Oh, my God. Yes, which really made the whole entertainment industry just look like a complete farce. We were all just kind of like, wait, why are we watching truly a random industry, a random workforce award each other things. Like this is so crazy. No, the curtain really fell in a way. It feels like sometimes when stage makeup is revealed to be stage makeup and you're like, oh my God, this is haggard. (laughs) Like this is, this is macabre. Like what are we doing? Yes. In the context of Me Too, we are on the precipice of numerous sexual abuse allegations against Harvey Weinstein. And as such, Alyssa Milano, the famous actress, borrowed the language of survivor Tarana Burke, who said, me too, I've also experienced sexual assault. And Alyssa Milano wrote on Twitter, if all the women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote me too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem. And that, of course, went massively viral. I just got emotional. So did I. I have chills. I did it. I posted it. You posted me too. Yeah, I did. I remember. I I remember the day I did it. I was like going back and forth and then... I said, I'll do it. (laughs) Oh, I felt so unjustified in doing it because I think we also didn't realize or it was difficult for me to understand like what constituted a sexual assault and what was just normal. But like realizing how many unconsenting encounters I'd had in the aftermath or things I'd just gone along with. Or coerced into doing. Yeah, but didn't really address or stop to reflect on at the time. I just I just didn't feel like I could. But the top Google searches at this point were Matt Lauer and Hot Suits actress Meghan Markle. Oh. So that really, that truly sets the scene. Wow. What's also so interesting about this point in time is, you remember how when TikTok came out, everything was TikTok related. It was like this TikTok sensation, Chase Hudson, whatever. This was 
Instagram to this generation. So I, I feel like that's really important to point out because right now I feel like a lot of this reads like, why do we care how many people follow? But it was new. It was fresh. It was so fresh. And Selena Gomez at this point had just beat out close friend Taylor Swift to become the most followed on Instagram. And Vogue Most is, followed. Yes, she was the most followed. Selena Gomez. At this time, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was just the the glue that holds this whole conversation together. Mm-hmm. And what Rob Haskell also tries to do in this profile is break down her appeal. And it's something that I have often queried myself i get her appeal because i feel like i have completely fallen for her yes and that dates back similar to what you said about how you feel like she's followed you all through your adolescence i remember seeing videos that her and demi lovato used to post to youtube of them like goofing around in the house and singing and doing covers or random shit. And I just remember watching those with my best friend in elementary and middle school and feeling that one, she was so cute, so unbelievably cute. She seemed to me so talented, but mostly she just seemed so genuine. Mm-hmm. There was something about her. You know, we grew up in a time, I think, where Disney stars were obviously huge it was the Miley Cyruses. It was Demi Lovato. Hillary Duff even was a big one for me. That's also very beloved. Hillary, if you're if you're listening, I oh, we'll get to Hillary. Oh my god, and we have to, and we'd be doing our listeners a disservice to not get to Hillary. I think they all had their special ways, but I think Selena Gomez. I thought she was so sweet. And you've hit on a really important point where the untouchableness of these stars was starting to kind of ebb away at this point. I mean, Justin Bieber, who, you know, plays a big part in Selena Gomez's narrative, had gotten famous by literally posting videos to YouTube. That was his start. And watching stars go the other way, giving their fans access, pulling back the curtain by using social media. I mean, that was a pretty novel concept at this point. I mean, now every celebrity is using social media to circumvent press and and take control of the narrative, so to speak. But the screenshotted notes app. Oh, absolutely. We love a screenshot notes app apology, baby. I know. Straight to story. So it disappears within 24 hours. <laughs> Comments turned off for a good two weeks. Yeah, we're right back at it. Perfect. But Selena Gomez and specifically, I mean, talk about not a nepotism baby and even the slightest. And I think that is also a big part of her appeal. Um, she was really the girl next door. Uh, she comes out of she was born in South Texas, kind of just out of Dallas, and has had like incredibly long relationship with show business. She was named after uh, the singer Selena Quintanilla, who... An icon. I thought that was a coincidence, but she was truly set up for this. And she was very, very poor. Uh, her mother was 16 when she had her. Her father kind of was out of the picture pretty quickly. And she was immediately put on the pageant circuit as a child. And then she landed her first role on Barney at seven. Wow. Yeah. And as is part of the course with so many entertainers, athletes, what have you, everyone's trying to do something outside of what they're doing. And what seemed to be the case for Selena Gomez was no matter how many high profile acting projects she booked, she wanted to be a musician. I feel so many people have that journey. So she released three albums. Can you believe it? Three albums with uh, the scene 
their name, the mm-hmm. band name was Selena Gomez in the scene right. before going solo. And she put out one of her first albums, a compilation album. And off the back of that, she signed to Interscope and released her first kind of real debut album, Revival. But the the compilation album is actually what would get her the most attention at this point because The Heart Wants What It Wants was on that album. Yes. Which was just this like heartbreaking track with a monologue. And it was just clearly, I mean, pointedly about her relationship with Justin Bieber, who had kind of famously cheated and they were on again, off again. We should put it in the podcast right now. Can we do that? Or is that copyright? <laughs> heart wants what it wants. No, I can't even sing it because I literally, they will, they will. We get arrested <laughs> live on pod. And it's brought up within this, within this profile. So we'll get to that as well. But this was a huge, huge year for her. I mean, the comeback after the revival tour, which we'll break down at length, was just such a moment because she started putting out just a string of singles that went just massive. And it was always with a DJ, which was quite interesting. So she did Wolves with Marshmallow, mm. half a billion views on YouTube now. It Ain't Me uh, was with Kygo. And then she also put out these singles, um, Bad Liar and Fetish, which were just such good tracks. And it was all very, there was this whole shift of reclamation, no more damsel in distress. I am a woman. I mean, she started this creative partnership with Petra Collins. And so everything took this very cool 2017 type lilt. I mean, it was just a a Petra Collins filter over everything she did. It was just a real, real turning point for Selena from kind of pop princess or pop product to cool girl in control. She was named Billboard's Woman of the Year this year in recognition of her influence, her commercial success. She also executive produced 13 Reasons Why, which was the most watched original streaming series in 2018. So really, really nuts. And to top it all off, she is famously dating The weekend at this point in time. And they would, I think, straight after the publication of this cover, walk the red carpet together at the Met Gala. They were cute together, I thought. Loved them together. Yeah. I mean, she it, went back to Justin Bieber straight after they broke mm-hmm. up. It just seemed like they were maybe two softies together. Yes. Which I love. I love to see two softos find each other. So just to clarify the timeline a little bit, she went back to Justin Bieber, I think in March of 2018, after breaking up the weekend. And he was engaged to Haley Bieber, I think by July or June of 2018. Man. And then they were married in September. That. So it would have been an absolute not whiplash easy. of an era for Selena. Yeah. Whew. Oh my God. So we're in the moment before here. Yes. She also had a kidney transplant, but we'll. <laughs> oh my. There's so much there's to get to. So, so much to get to. And she's very, very private. So the fact that this profile kicks off the way it does says a lot. She's ready to. Open Open up. up. Definitely. It begins on an unusually wet and windy evening in Los Angeles. Selena Gomez shows up at my door with a heavy bag of groceries. We've decided that tonight's dinner will be sort of a tribute to the after church Sunday barbecues she remembers from her Texan childhood. So she's making cheesy potatoes. He's making enchiladas. And she kind of arrives with all these like very processed ingredients like fried onions and all this kind of stuff. She says, I bet you didn't think we were going to get this real. 
And when I tell her that real isn't the first word that springs to mind when faced with these ingredients, she responds with the booming battle axe laugh that offers a foretaste of her many enchanting incongruities. I mean, I could be so off base here. I think you can already tell this is written by a straight man with just this one line because to assume that like a woman can't have like a booming laugh, but also be like super hot and cute. It's just something that feels like very distinctly. Well, this profile also opens on the time honored tradition of hot girls sometimes eat pizza. And this is something we could get to honestly season 11 of this podcast and we would still be finding this in podcast after podcast. Kendall Jenner eats pasta. Bella Hadid eats pizza. Meghan Markle eats a burger. It's just... But that's... People are obsessed. they eat. Yeah. They don't eat anything else. It's all pasta, pizza, and chocolate cake, like, all the time. That's the... That's the realities of Wait, these. is it really? No, no, no. I'm saying, like, that's... Oh, This yeah. is how they're presented. <laughs> and they just happen to have this light speed metabolism that just lets them chow down on... Anything they want ever. Exactly. Yeah. So you're right. Like, this is... This is giving that... But also because of her status as the most followed, there's just a lot of talk about online popularity straight out of the gate. He then says, but real is precisely what I was expecting from the 24-year-old Selena, just as her 110 million Instagram followers, Selenators as they're known, have come to expect. Of course, celebrities' old codes are gone. MGM's untouchable eggshell glamour has given way to they're just like us. But Gomez and her ilk have gone further still, using their smartphones to generate a stardom that seems to not merely say, I'm just like you, but I am you. And this is what we were talking about before. I mean, she is big in facilitating this kind of cataclysmic unfiltering of what celebritydom was in an era where everything was so polished and access was still pretty much blogs and tabloids. She's really a big proponent of this shift. So she traces this whole beginning back to the heart wants what it wants. That's when she says she dropped the veil the first time. And it's like this ballad Rob Haskell writes about loving a guy who she knows is bad news. Oh. This this next paragraph. In there. <laughs> this next paragraph I found really interesting. He mm-hmm. writes the title derives from a letter written by Emily Dickinson, though Woody Allen reintroduced the phrase when he used it to describe his relationship with Soon Yi. I thought that was such a weird thing to don't bring that up. Don't liken this to that. It's I mean, definitely Selena Gomez was not thinking about Woody Allen and his relationship with Soon Yi when she wrote this. It's just so bizarre because how can you liken like definitely grooming type relationship with Selena's partnership with Justin Bieber? Yeah, long time young love. love. Yeah. But I do like that he gets to the crux of it pretty quickly and goes, if you're over 30 and find yourself somewhat mystified by Gomez's fame, unable to attach it to any art object, then you might want to watch the video for The Heart Wants What It Wants. And that is precisely what we were getting into before. It was powerful. Like it was powerful stuff. And you can see why so many people related to it. And it just doubled down their love for who was like a a Disney classic star. I also feel like this kind of dates talking about being unable to attach her fame to any art object in a way that suggests that pop music couldn't be an art 
object, I think, is a little bit of thing of the past. As we see the rise of stars like Charlie XCX, even Carly Rae Jepsen, where a lot of their fans really feel that their albums are art personified, more and more, I think, it would be sort of ridiculous to try to suggest that a pop star is maybe unknown or a Disney star hasn't done anything quite yet. Because at this point, Selena has done so much. Selena's had a full career by all accounts. A hundred percent. If you're looking at it from the perspective of the most talented entertainers or individuals on the planet, like the Michael Jordans and the Beyonce's, you may look at Selena Gomez and go, I don't understand why she is the most followed person on Instagram at this point in time. Because I mean, a lot of documented live performances have kind of proved that she doesn't really do well in a live setting. Like she's a studio artist. She doesn't like to tour, but there's something that's so still about her. She's so beautiful and watchable and the kind of the breathiness of her vocals creates this real palpable sense of intimacy, giving way to a relationship that is just really distinctive between artist and performer. She feels like she is your tiny dancer, like she is your ballerina in a music box who is performing just for you. And that is a skill. And it's not a Beyonce stop in your tracks type of a performer, but she has made the studio booth a confessional and that is really impressive. I also think she captures the hearts of young girls specifically in such a big way. And I know that that comes up later in the profile, but I think that it often starts there. So I do think that the disclaimer of, you know, for the 30 somethings out there makes some sense because when your fan base is primarily girls between the age of 13 and 19, Mm -hmm. which I think Selena has always been able to capture, then it's easy to feel out of touch or wonder why. We could get into this at length, but there are definitely people who are supposed to have or are equipped to deal with the level of fame that she has reached at this point. And there are people who aren't, and she is definitely the latter. She is not meant to have this kind of exposure like and she'll be the first to acknowledge it I mean she says in a quote I've cried on stage more times than I can count and I'm not a cute crier Mm. and like it sounds a little like Britney Spears yeah but Britney Britney could turn it on like no tomorrow like Britney Britney is a star and Selena is a star but Britney could no that's true anyone it seems also like a lot of her Britney's spirals would happen after she left the stage and would be like, that was awful. Was that awful? Oh my God, I'm terrible. I'm not talented. And it would like go into this sort of really depressing, tragic spiral. And it's different when you can't hold it in on stage or that's coming out. That's bleeding into all areas of Absolutely. life. I mean, Britney was also a child star, yeah. but God, Britney was born to do this and I mean you can see it even now from her Instagram videos she doesn't stop dancing like she was has to get it out she has to express herself and I think when she's most at home is when she's in that performance state um but this was this was a line that was particularly interesting um (laughs) Rob slips an apron over Selena Gomez's uh mane of chocolate brown hair which he he notes Pantene has paid her millions for and writes, as I tie it around her tiny waist, I wonder whether legions have felt for years the same sharp pang of protectiveness that I'm feeling at present. 
Even as she projects strength and self-assuredness, Gomez is not stingy with frailty. Ugh. Temperature check. I, I never love... I I just get, I think, uncomfortable when something comes across as, like, patronizing. But I think that might just be a me thing. I've always hated when men tell me they feel protective over me. And my instinct is to be like, why would you ever feel that when I can completely take care of myself, you bumbling buffoon? But, you know, I don't think that he means harm by this. And I think it's clear that he's trying to attach a anecdote, a visual to a feeling to try to express something that tells us more about Selena and brings the audience in. So I understand the purpose. So yeah, I had no idea I was familiar with this profile when you assigned it to me. I had no recollection of reading it, but it did feel vaguely like a part of my life because that point of Selena's career was so much of what I did of every day. I just checked in with her in the weekend, all this kind of stuff. So I looked it up to see if I had covered this profile coming out. And I had, I was 22 (gasps) in 2017. And the line that I pulled out was this one exactly. And I wrote, despite the mild obsequiousness, we have come to expect from male journalists profiling starlets. And then I wrote in parentheses, read as I slip an apron over her mane of chocolate brown hair and tie it around her (gasps) tiny waist. Writer Rob Haskell does seem to get to the crux of Selena. Not only is she, like us all, constantly trying to overcome feelings of inadequacy, but she has also worked out that social media is pretty toxic. And then I ended it with, I ended the article with, there you have it, folks, Selena Gomez in all her chocolate mane glory. So it's funny. Oh my like, God, 22 Beatrice. It's funny because I really like relate to my 22 year old self. And yeah, I still feel the same. I'm like that, that line, I immediately, my, my hair raises. I don't, I don't love it, but I'm like, he's kind of not far off. Like she is someone because she seems so soft that you do feel like you have to take care of in a weird way. I also think on the spectrum, which, I mean, we will read so much worse than this in some of the profiles we have coming up. Totally. But I think that already, because this is for a purpose, clearly, I think where it really gets gross is when there it serves no purpose and the male journalist is just trying to describe her lips for no reason other than to say that I was one sitting at a restaurant and I thought this woman was hot. And now you have to read exactly how I thought she was hot and how her lips are like pillows. And I imagine them fluttering all over me. It's like, (laughs) okay, you're actually not going to believe this. I saved this little tidbit for the pod. But the part that I referenced male journalists in this story was hyperlinked. And I was like, oh, I wonder who I'm referring to. Like, let me click it. And I linked this to Margot Robbie's Vanity Fair profile by <gasps> Rich Cohen, which we do. We cover later in the season. Stop. That was another one I didn't even realize I'd read. Oh, this was written in the stars. I am. I cannot believe I cannot believe the way that we've been thinking about this. And when we... For a century. Anyway, so I was was really on the... I was on the hunt back then, clearly. And to your point about him capturing a moment or a feeling or a theme that is relevant with his odes to her frailty, she has just canceled a tour due to treatment. And it was actually the second tour that she's canceled. So the first one she canceled in 2014 because she was diagnosed with lupus. 
And then, yeah. And then this was. So you saw her though, before this was canceled. Yeah. How was it? I saw her New Zealand, her New Zealand show. Wow. I thought it was really good. Like I loved it. I bopped along. Like the Jonas Brothers opened. Oh, I don't know. The Jonas Brothers opened? And Joe ran all through the stadium. Like Joe, that that man is a performer. Like he, (laughs) he was great. I thought she looked gorgeous. I remember thinking like, this is like the hottest person I've ever seen. Like watching her on the, mm. the Jumbotron. I felt that way watching Dua Lipa on her last tour. Yes. I was like, God damn it. She looks so good. Very similar vibe. Like I was like, she is just perfection. There were so many different outfits, which I really appreciated. Um, but it is funny that Rob makes a note that this is not the first tour that Selena has canceled due to treatment. And I think maybe he's saying either she can't catch a break or she can't handle this. And he's kind of foreshadowing like Mm. this is not what she's cut out to be doing. But she says of it, tours are a really lonely place for me. My self-esteem was shot. I was depressed, anxious. I started to have panic attacks right before getting on stage or right before leaving the stage. Basically, I felt I wasn't good enough. I wasn't capable. And she goes on to say that when she used to perform, because her audience was so young, she'd hold up a a pinky and say like everyone swear that that's beautiful and then suddenly she's in front of a crowd that's in their 20s and 30s I mean me included I would have been 21 and she's like wait I can't relate to these like these people are actually being critical of me they're not just happy to be there the way that children are and they're also going through things of their own that I myself am going through whether it be mental health or family conflict. I think this is maybe my favorite part of the profile. This quote here that she gives is so juicy and also so deeply sad Mm -hmm. of that transition, which is one that we've seen so many young stars have to make of how do I relate to an adult audience and an audience that's growing up alongside me and how am I growing up with them? It feels real. And I believe that this is something that she's had to grapple with of let's pinky promise that you're beautiful. It's just not going <laughs> to not going to fly. It's not going to fly. Yeah, it must have been really jarring. I mean, she says I wasn't figuring my own stuff out. So I felt like I had no wisdom to share. And I just thought that everybody was watching me thinking this is a waste of time, uh. which is so nuts because she's obviously and this is a holdover from Disney days, clearly. But like you're not expecting the artist that you're watching in an arena to give you life advice, to be your therapist. And the fact that she still feels like she needs to be a role model, like even in this context when she's singing about sex, like come and get it or whatever, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's so much pressure, so much pressure. Take it easy on yourself. He mentions her last Instagram post before she surrendered her phone to the treatment center. I don't know if you've seen this photo. She's lying backwards on stage, like collapsed in that like very awkward hip mobility position when you're kneeling and then you lie down. Yeah, that's just that's a hard one for me in yoga. <laughs> oh god. And he's like, it, it's hard to tell if that's agony or ecstasy. And I don't know. I felt that agony or ecstasy. It's a great photo. It's it a is. great photo. And then she stays at this treatment facility for 90 days and makes her first public appearance at the American Music Awards. She collected the trophy for favorite pop rock female artist. And she gave the speech about her struggles and says, like, I have been doing such a good job of hiding the real me from you guys for so long, putting on a brave face. She also says, and I just love because everything comes back to Instagram. It's so crazy in this profile how prolific a platform Instagram is at this point. It's clearly like the coolest of cool. 
But she says in the speech, I want to see your hearts, not your bodies on Instagram. And that was like in truly in the speech. So you can see why they've leaned in so hard to the Instagram angle, because this feels like a big part of her life. You know, it's one thing when celebrities give a sense that they're going through some vague mental health issue where they, you know, so many celebrities have come out with their struggle with depression or anxiety. I think Selena Gomez takes it a little bit further in that she's actually honest about what's going on. The fact that they're talking about her treatment center that she went to and the specifics of that and the way that therapy impacted her and group therapy and how there were girls fighting for their lives there is impactful. And the fact that she's been open about her bipolar diagnosis, I think personally is huge coming from a family that bipolar disorder has played a large role in my family dynamic. That's not one that has quite the same or romantic picture that depression often has. I remember when Catherine Zeta-Jones came out, there are far fewer celebrities that are willing to talk about inpatient treatment and bipolar. And I think it makes you look like a risky investment to executives, casting directors. Like if you're openly mentally ill in the entertainment industry, you're kind of damaged goods. And I think that has been the barrier for so long. And yeah, I think it's so impressive, like her bringing up dialectical behavioral therapy. I'm getting saying that wrong. Dialectical behavioral therapy. One of the quotes in the profile is DBT has completely changed my life. I wish more people would talk about therapy. We girls were taught to be almost too resilient, to be strong and sexy and cool and laid back. The girl who's down. We also need to feel allowed to fall apart. Yeah, the girl who eats pizza. Yeah. To bring it full circle. I know. It's very like Gone Girl Amy Dunn, that speech of being the girl who's always down, the cool girl, the girl who never has any problems. I'm like, honestly, yes. Yeah, I mean, this Burn was- Burn it down. This was a radical statement to be literally referencing the type of therapy that has assisted you so much. I mean, this was pre-Better Help advertisements on every single podcast. Like we weren't familiar with the concept of therapy as an everyday occurrence, something that is fundamental to your lifestyle. Unheard of. It had a really negative... I actually just rewatched an episode of The OC recently where therapy is regarded as one of the most embarrassing and horrible things that one could possibly do and suggest that you are criminally insane. Marissa in the episode, if you're familiar. Marissa Cooper, after her overdose in Mexico... um, (laughs) Her parents instruct her to go to therapy and basically the entire episode is her saying that she's not crazy and she refuses to go to therapy and she'll never go to therapy and why are you making her do this horrible thing? And that was 2004 and from that point to the mid-2000s, therapy had a very weird relationship to pop culture. Was something laughable like that you would go to work on the way, on your neural pathways, the way your brain literally functions, you would try and pursue that route of self-improvement was like the craziest thing you could possibly do i mean it's funny because at this point in the profile too we're getting into some external viewpoints when it comes to selena so rob in true journalistic form does his due diligence and talks to people in her life and i the people he chooses are just so weird to me because clearly she has a very tight circle of close friends, her assistant being one of them, her mom, who she says is her total inspiration and life force, obviously only 16 years older than her, Mandy Teefy. And she'd also, her mom had also been her manager uh, for years, but he chooses to chat to Paul Rudd, who was her <laughs> co-star in The Fundamentals of Caring, that film she did. 
which if you can't remember was this like 2016 drama where selena plays the love interest of a boy with muscular dystrophy and he also talks to the producer of that movie i found it weird that there were two people from that movie when it was like a good year or so ago but the producer says you know her fans love her because she is so generous and authentic I admit I didn't quite understand her huge fan base at first. Now I see her as a sort of third generation feminist. She's adorable, flirty, funny, and she's also kind of kick-ass. And Paul Rudd then says there's a vulnerability about Selena. She's never trying to sell herself or impress anyone. She doesn't put on airs. And she was like a good sport on set. which <laughs> It's like wow. a school report card. Yeah. Like, And she really contributes to the class. <laughs> so me, you and Paula Red all kind of have the same take about Selena being vulnerable and never trying to sell a manufactured image, kind of. Mm. He talks to the creative director of Coach, um, who also says like, she's very warm. And... Then he talks to the writer of the book, 13 Reasons Why, that she optioned herself. She read it with her mom and she was like, that was her baby, her project. I did not realize how she was the nexus of that, how she was, I like, this needs to exist. This needs to. She was the face of wow. 13 Reasons Why, which now I think is reflected on with a lot of uh, trepidation. Yeah. Yeah. They also made some very questionable choices in depicting the suicide scene that that first season oh. in detail. I, I, They've I taken it out since. Did you know that? No. They've edited because we know from extensive research that that is not okay and often actually results in many suicide attempts when people see it. Yeah. But a noble pursuit for Selena, I think, to try to bring a show to light that is directly about mental health and so many other issues yeah and interestingly it was her mom um who post disney said i really want you to explore working with some kind of provocative directors and push yourself as an actor which i thought was so sick and it was her that said you should work with harmony korean <gasps> famous oh, member of the pussy posse famous member of the pussy posse which we just learned what a little crossover <laughs> um but he had done, you know, kids and all these like extremely trash humpers, trash humpers which that, made me ill for three weeks after watching it. These extremely dark, like twisted films. And her mom was like, go and work with that man. And so he, she signed on for Spring Breakers. But that she, movie was such an incredible. What the fuck was fake that out, movie? Fake out to the audience where yes. it was advertised as this fun summer flick hot girls and bikinis and james franco and a grill then it was just this very dark drug story i still don't really know I what i took it. from that i haven't rewatched it in a Neither long time but i kind of think i'm well no it's it's sort of like i don't really want to feel how i felt after i watched that it was complete emptiness like it just felt yes. like completely vacuous which is really harmony Corrine's gift is to make you feel empty yeah at the end of a film like there's no reason to live thrive or survive yeah. <laughs> that's truly what my take from that movie was when i saw it i was like 18 and i remember being like what the fuck did i just watch um but, but she, she was great in it. She was great in it. She yeah. was actually I loved her. I think she's a great actress. Like I think, I so think too. that's where her skill lies. Like yeah. I really do. But she kind of talks about like the fact that she's really into church right now, which go off and how she has like 17 people in her contact list and no one, none of them are famous. 
Um, except for Taylor, I gotta imagine. Oh, except for Taylor. Which she has such a funny quote about, which I want your take on. Yeah. When Taylor describes Selena as both 40 years old and seven years old, what do you think that means? Yeah, so that was like a throwaway quote within this piece. Yeah, he did not interview Taylor, clearly. No, he didn't interview Taylor. He pulled it from like a prior, I guess, feature on Taylor who happened to mention Selena, which was just an interesting incorporation in general. But I don't really know what to have felt about that. I don't know anyone personally in my life that I would describe as both 40 years old and seven years old. Mm. I don't know what to take away from that. But to take it back to spring break is, I think the whole concept of it was to shed that kind of costume of Wizards of Waverly Place. And interestingly, Wizards of Waverly Place has been in the news at the moment because one of the first, yeah, one of the former actors who had his nudes leaked online is now making a ton of money off OnlyFans. He tried desperately to scrub his nudes from the internet and it just didn't work. So he has just leaned in. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Which it kind of feels weirdly, I mean, doesn't it feel like this? that has a weird tie to this point in time with Selena? Yeah. yeah. And also like shift the identity from child to adult. That's, oh, that's dark also that it starts with like a nude, I, all the nude leaks. I know. How are, how is everyone okay? I know. I know. But I feel like our generation, leaked nudes are gonna, that's the thing of the past. Do you know who I'm interviewing who I really want to ask about it? Who? Orlando Bloom. Oh! <gasps> Because you remember his photos when yes. he was paddling Katy Perry? Yes. Yeah. I want to ask him about it. Oh my God, you should. That's another one. And, you that, should. and that's even more invasive because I feel like that's paparazzi. Like you really had no control. Yeah. Um, like that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Instagram just keeps weaving its way back into this piece. And it's funny because she's weirdly active on TikTok now. But at this point, she has deleted the Instagram app from her phone. She doesn't even have the password to her own account. And she just fantasizes about disappearing from social media altogether. She says, as soon as I became the most followed person on Instagram, I sort of freaked out. It had become so consuming to me. It's what I woke up to, went to sleep to. I was an addict and it felt like I was seeing things I didn't want to see. Like I was putting things in my head that I didn't want to care about. As she talks about also, she had a documentary come out recently, My Mind and Me. And in the documentary, you see her talking about how she doesn't have like an ass and it's funny to be in this ozempic era of thinness return and remember that this was the absolute height of bbl big ass on everything it was like anaconda and that was her big qualm at the time that she didn't look good in any of her touring outfits because she didn't have a butt and i can tell that that is kind of what she's referring to with this she's like i don't fit the modern beauty standard um that i was seeing online also it's like we know so much more about this now about how truly destructive the endless scrolling is do you feel like when you're on instagram your mental health dips i don't know because i said this to my i said this to my boyfriend the other day i said i think like he said that we were talking about Google Maps and <laughs> yeah, and he's like, are you really, he was like, I was like, I'm kind of better at technology than you. And he was like, you use it in a way that really enhances your life. And then he said, but it has hurt you, your full body dysmorphia, which has definitely been caused by social media apps. And I just, I thought I was exempt from that. I thought I'd kind of escaped that and that I could look at everything through the lens of like my own body, what's realistic for me. Well, it's funny that when we think that we can outsmart it and it's very easy to think that because 
you know, I are logical people. We think we have like a built-in filter to subvert this kind of imagery, but no, ultimately but it's stronger than us literally rotting our brains and it's funny like this really comes back to what we were talking about with the bridal trends where you think that you uh you've risen above it you've found the most original thing on the planet but you have seen it and like and that is the thing our our body image is so being subliminally informed by this imagery and we just we're just not clocking it i definitely find mine is worse when i'm endlessly scrolling oh i have a i have a 45 minute cap every day I can't be on it for more than 45 minutes. Instagram specifically. Oh. It shuts me out. Uh, no, it's after 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, after 30 minutes, it shuts me out. Interesting. Yeah. Because I'm – why would I need to be on it for any more than 30, 30 minutes? Well, this is what Selena says. I mean, she says, I was an addict. It felt like I was always seeing things I didn't want to see and that I didn't care about. And I always ended up feeling like shit when I look at Instagram. And this is pre-real. So this was another, oh my God. another life you adjust on the feed. And then she goes, and this is why I'm kind of under the radar and ghosting a little bit. Okay. So, I mean, this profile, it's been, it's been relatively strong. It's been pretty good. I think there's been some good quotes, some hot takes. And then it leaves on the weirdest note. Like Mm -hmm. there is no conclusion, no takeaway. It feels unfinished. It's only 2,800 words, which is weird because they spent all this time cooking in his house But he ends it talking about the fact that Selena flew to Italy to meet The Weeknd and paparazzi caught it. And then The Weeknd's ex, Bella Hadid, promptly unfollowed Selena. And that's where he kind of leaves off. He says, when I ask Gomez about the romance, she tells me that everything she has said about her relationships in the past have come back to bite her and that she will never do it again. Yeah. And then he just talks about how the cheesy potatoes come out perfectly and Selena says look I love what I do and I'm aware of how lucky I am but how can I say this without sounding weird I just really can't wait for people to forget about me and that's it yeah it's like the weekend it's a rush Italy Bella Hadid unfollowing oh cheesy potatoes out of the oven and that's a wrap what do you what do you make of that so I think that there was a clear directive that he was not to mention Justin Bieber in this profile, that Justin Bieber was not to be a big part of this profile, which I think is a very reasonable request because so much of the coverage of Selena Gomez has been wrapped around this three-year relationship, three-year relationship, this young love affair, which all of us have had, certainly when we were 18, 19 or whatever, how old they were when they dated. She's 24 at the time of this profile. So I commended the agreeing to not discuss Justin Bieber as though he made Selena famous, their relationship was the reason for the fame, and instead treat her as a serious, fully formed human being. But then to end on this weird note of, and now she's dating someone new, and there's drama on Insta, sort of undoes some of the good work that has been done in the past. Not entirely, but just, I feel like it goes against the thesis of Instagram doesn't matter and we shouldn't put stock into what's going on on these fake. And this is my thesis because I initially Mm -hmm. read it and thought, wow, this is really quote heavy, which is kind of refreshing. Like we've read so many profiles that allow the writer so much time to like wax lyrical about their personal dynamic with the star. And yeah, the, the sensuality of their lips, (laughs) the curve of their cheekbones, whatever. And it was really nice, like how much she got to speak But then I thought maybe he was just kind of running out the word count with that. 
it might have just been laziness of him just not being particularly interested in the subject, which is what, I mean, he says, if you're over 30 and you don't get it, like, I understand. I think he may have just not got it. And I've definitely, I'm going to be real. I've definitely had those interviews and they've all been people in either their late teens or early twenties. And I've just kind of been like, I'm just, I got to get through this. And then I'm out. And I think that might have been the case in this specific context but to see where she's come from this point in time yeah six years ago I mean she's released her third album she's got a makeup line that's valued at 60 million um and it's good it's good have you used it yeah we both have I have the highlighter you have the blush the blush oh the blush and so that's doing really really well it's named after her album and was kind of released um simultaneously Uh, And then she also put out her documentary, My Mind and Me, which was directed by the prestigious documentarian Alec Kashishian. He did the Madonna Mm. uh, documentary. And that was, that weirdly had so much of this moment in time, like so much of her revival tour. You really see her anxiety. Um, And then at the end of 2022, The New Yorker published Selena Gomez and the Rise of Celebrity Vulnerability, which is what we've been talking about literally at length and wrote even in the context of the punishing demands of the modern celebrity industrial complex gomez has had a rough go of it at a young age she was transplanted from a lower middle class life in texas to the disney child star machine her early days of pop stardom were defined by her relationship with justin bieber and the ghost of their puppy love seems to follow her today Then it gets into the fact that she was diagnosed with lupus, which necessitated a kidney transplant in 2017. And then in 2018, in the aftermath of the operation, she suffered a bout of psychosis and wound up institutionalized. And I mean, that that is what this documentary covers. It is fucking crazy. But why the the kidney transplant has come up so recently is because she was on the cover of Rolling Stone and said, I never fit in with a cool group of girls that were celebrities. My only friend in the industry really was Taylor Swift. And then Francia or Francia? Oh, yeah. Razor? Yeah. I'll say Francia. Yeah. Francia commented on E! News post of that and said, interesting and unfollowed selena and then selena kind of replied on a video on tiktok saying sorry i didn't mention every person i know which is like for a 30 year old woman i think was such a misguided reaction to that i just wouldn't have said that yeah i also just feel like i mean i you know obviously we don't know the details of what's transpired between them but i feel that if i had a friend that i had either given a kidney to or received a kidney from I feel like there would be, I don't know, communication there. There would be some sort of healthy way to discuss this offline. Do you mean like lifetime of gratitude? Yeah. yeah. yeah like, I mean, but I feel like if you've gone through that process, I have to believe that your communication skills are top notch. She, I mean, she saved her life. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy it was that she was essential. even a match. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, she said in interviews, and I've actually, I met her and she's truly lovely. But she said at the time, like, I couldn't get up without someone having to help me. That was very humbling. I couldn't take a shower by myself. I couldn't move. And that was Francia saying that in reference to her recovery recovery post-surgery so it's like dude that's a huge sacrifice to make for a friend 
I think Selena could have clarified just being like, sorry, I was referring to the music industry because that's the industry I see myself in. And, you know, Francie is an actress. Yeah. Like it, it would have been cute. It would have been absolutely fine. But I think that just uh, fans the flames a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of the alleged feud. Kind of like heartbreaking. Yeah, um, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. I hope they're okay. I hope that they've resolved it yeah i mean another like heartbreaking moment which we've kind of talked about because i really remembered it in this context of this profile was seeing her at the amas yeah you were there i was there and i got a ticket at the last minute by no means was i really truly on the list you were nominated for an ama yeah no i was (laughs) i know i i was just kind of truly thrown on the list at the last minute and happened to be in la at the time while i was living in new york and she was the first performer, like she opened the show and that was her big comeback. And it's covered in the documentary. You see the whole backstory in my mind and me. And it just, it kind of just serves as a reminder of like where this girl's strengths lie and the live performance just isn't necessarily it. And that's totally fine. And, and was she like, was she crying or having a panic attack? Like there was something happening, right? Yeah, During that so performance. Because it was so bad, They came out after the fact and explained that she had a panic attack prior to going on. Mm. When you're watching the documentary, she's just so self-assured and like, I want to do this. I want to be on stage. I want to have this big comeback moment. It was obviously pegged to the release of Rare. So she did two songs off it. Um, Lose You to Love Me, which was her first Billboard number one, I think. Or maybe The Heart Wants What It Wants. I'll check that. But I'm pretty (laughs) sure. No, it was her first. It was her first number one on Hot 100. And then she did, um, look at me now. I forget the. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. Who who said? No. No, 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 no. no. Who said? <laughs> Sorry. It's nobody's perfect song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look at her now. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so she did like a, a medley of the two songs. And it was just, I mean, as someone that kind of grew up singing, and did many, many lessons and many, many kind of like showcases. Can You can just tell when someone's crying while they're singing. Like the, every note was kind of, it fell flat and it was really hard to watch. And then, yeah, she came back in the aftermath mm-hmm. and said that she had a, she had a panic attack but the sweetest thing from that i feel like is how hard taylor swift is cheering in the audience oh she is she's rocking up and down yeah (laughs) screaming for her girl which may we all be so lucky i know to have friends that support us so as we god do unto me as you've done for us (laughs) (laughs) no exactly exactly like she's she's leaning in so hard but yeah the documentary even gives more context to that infamous performance because in the lead up she's already freaking out like she's Mm. pitchy and the singing teacher is like you're just nervous you're just nervous and that's why your like tone isn't there and it's kind of like no I think like it felt like a very yes man moment where someone should have just stepped in and be like dude if you're not good like we'll just blow this popsicle stand like who cares so yeah it's interesting I mean the running theme, the consistency through all of this, from the documentary to her music to this profile to this recent New Yorker review of her documentary, it's always Selena Gomez vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Those two ideas are constantly are intrinsically linked, and that must be kind of that must be kind of weird um, as as someone on the receiving end of that to always be perceived as 
vulnerable. Well, how does someone establish boundaries if that's your whole identity? And that's why people openly love you is I love Selena because she's vulnerable and she's real and she tells us what's really going on. I feel like how can one establish boundaries and have healthy distance between themselves and all their millions of fans? Well, it's interesting. I think it's it's also as if this is all she wants to talk about as well, because in the documentary, she's asked a kind of question about, okay, what field would you ideally go into if you weren't like an entertainer? And this is by like a random junket journalist. So we know them well. And then I've been them. Oh yeah. I've done it. The and, junkets. Yeah. And she like likes the question and she's like, I think I would be a philanthropist. I would do something in that space. And the journalist just goes, okay, great. Well, that's, that's me. That's, that's, I'm all good. And doesn't engage with her on that. And Selena goes like, wow. <laughs> okay thanks for listening and then she goes back outside to her team and she's just like fuck this no one cares about me this bullshit i hate this part of it i feel and she goes i feel like disney this feels like i'm a product and it's kind of like dude isn't this kind of nice that you don't have to get into the harrowing tour cancellations and just this and and lupus diagnosis and just the slew of issues that have plagued your career and life since you entered the public eye like isn't it a nice reprieve that would be so horrifying because the junkets are just not a time to get into that and i don't even know had i been that journalist and she had said philanthropy what am i gonna follow up with pushing on what issues, what social justice issues matter most and what is she doing about them right now as a privileged person in power? No. Any journalist would probably have been like, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, guys. You have been taught to get in and out. And the fact, it just showed that she was just deeply jaded with the whole process Mm -hmm. um, of what it takes to promote a piece of work. And Um, it's certainly slightly dehumanizing, Oh, yeah, dude, definitely. I mean, fame in general, but the junket process for sure, because you're just sat in a chair and there's like 30 people in a hotel room and then they cycle in like 40 people. Oh, it's dehumanizing for all parties. For all. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's dehumanizing for all. It's a cattle call. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And that's not where you're going to get to the meat of who you really are. From one to Pulitzer, I'm giving her a... A six. I honestly like. Yeah, I, I think a six. I and think I, a six. And I kept. Actually, I think I'm giving her a five. Wait, me too. Yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> not to follow along. I think just yeah. I've I've read this so many times now. I'm so familiar with it, and I think I keep thinking I'm gonna have a different response, a different little takeaway, an aha moment somewhere. Yeah, but it's the. I think it's the abrupt stopping, like the the landing on the weekend in Bella Hadid and the unfollowing of it all that I'm just kind of like, it just, to your point, it undoes all the good work. Yeah. It sort of leaves me dumb. Yeah. It leaves me. It doesn't leave you wanting more. It leaves you being like. Or chewing on anything interesting. mm -hmm. Yeah. It leaves me feeling like I should just throw my phone into the trash. Yeah. Unfinished. Surface level. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know. I know. So that was Selena Gomez. And I bet we will come back because I i mean, she has just had so much press over the years. And I think it would be interesting to do something really recent. Yeah. And see how it compares. Because I mean, she's 30. 
she's grown and obviously she's come off like the massive success of Only Murders in the Building, which we kind of didn't mention, people but people loved. And so I think we will revisit her, but... I hope there's an acting renaissance to come. Yeah. But I'm kind of obsessed with this profile just for its cultural context. Like, I yeah. love that it was on the precipice of Me Too and we're still getting lines like the tiny waist and the chocolate mane of hair and um it's so it's i just kind of uh, yeah i love it yeah i love it no i think it was one of the first that did the celebrity meets instagram what's it gonna what's gonna happen here oh yeah we genre. had to we had to get into that genre because yeah. it's now prolific i mean it's it's, it's everywhere yeah everything and everywhere follow count or die yeah i once had an editor say if they've got over a million followers we'll cover them and that was indicative oh of the shift God. in industry. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because ultimately you want eyes, you want clicks, yeah. you want people to read this or at least stay on the page for long enough to convince advertisers to buy in. <laughs> so, it, I mean, that is what this is. It's interesting. But mm, another week with my little agues <laughs> and my favorite Ivana. Oh, love you. Love you so much. Can't wait to come back and tackle a very hot, New one. Who are we on next week? Yeah. There's someone good, I think. Oh, there's someone like very oh. sexy and good. <laughs> okay, time for me to put on my rare blush. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm running to to highlight. Off we go. Off we go. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.